surprise surprise ladies and gentlemen uh we are back with an episode of the back shoulder fade josh sampson and myself uh i know y'all didn't see it coming because we didn't televise it we wanted to make it a surprise but it's been in the works for a long long time uh for us to get back in the booth and you know of course a lot of things have come and happened uh in america over the span of the last year and you know that's kind of kept us out of the booth but nonetheless we are back with a new season we're going to call it season two of the back shoulder fade we're going to do some work with the yellow label pod as well so look out for that as well uh but yeah man we got a lot to talk about in terms of the football season a lot has transpired in the football world but before we get into that real quick want to let my man in here josh and, and uh introduce him as you all know josh sampson uh, he's a football expert. Me and him discussed this uh, because we we're doing a retape here. The first one got corroded or something. <laughs> football connoisseur, uh, whatever you want to call him. My man Josh Sampson is, uh, Sampson is back in the building. What's good, my brother? And how are you doing? It's a beautiful feeling, man. It's been a long, been a long year. It seems like it's been almost three or four years. How long this? How many things have happened over this past year? Whether it be with the pandemic or um, certain things with uh, social justice in this country and um, yep yep we finally got well I don't say a little relief but um, we finally got some some things seem to be turned around this year so I'm um, considering what happened with you know George Floyd's case last year but you know it's been a it's been a long it's been a long year in terms of you know worrying about not only worrying about ourselves catching COVID but you know worry about our families and trying to keep others and our inner circle healthy and, you know, worrying about people with pre, pre-existing conditions. You know, some of our friends have some. It's been a – I try not to worry so much about it, but, you know, it's it's not just – it's not like it's far away or it's not like, you know, it's in a certain part of the country. It's all over the world, man. It's, it's, it, it, it could be right right outside your doorstep, you know. So it's been a – it's been a shaky year for all of us, man. I'm just I'm, – I'm happy and blessed that we're still here and, you know, our closest – Closest people are still here, it's, but you know we're, we're trying to get back in the in the normal swing of things, as normal as things could possibly be right now. You know, you said what two weeks ago you got your second dose of the vaccine. And yep, yep. Both of us are fully vaccinated, so you know. Shout out to Moderna. <laughs> I don't know who you got Moderna. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Moderna. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's been a you know we're trying to get back on the right track and you know try to keep pushing forward, man. It's the only thing you can do. Absolutely, man. You said a mouthful there, man. You know, we, me and you talked about this beforehand when it was getting out of hand. And uh, COVID is is something that's a very touchy subject is how I put it for for us being from Albany, not just because of family with pre-existing conditions. Like Josh said, that was our main concern. Me and him had the discussion. We want to protect, uh, to protect the people around us. You know, that was the key for us. And that's what, you know, kind of just... Uh, you know, halted our recording and stuff, but it, it holds a, uh, you know, COVID is such a big deal for us because, you know, our city, Albany was one of the uh, hardest hit when it first happened. And it was, you know, it was crazy because Albany's never like really in the national news, but I can remember my sister calling me in a room and being like, we on CBS or CNN, I'm sorry. And that was because COVID had got out of hand here in our city. And then not only that, but, you know, like here in Albany, everybody that's been here, they know it's only one hospital. Uh, you know, the hospital was overran. So it was a scary situation here nationally. You know, like 
for us to be in the news like that was the wake up call right there. Little small Albany struggling with COVID and, you know, hospital was overrun and so on and so forth. Uh, so then me and Josh knew to take it serious, which we did, um, you know, and, and as he said, like with the social justice stuff, it's a lot that's been going on. Um, you know, like he said, you know, it doesn't fix everything. But for Mr. George Floyd's family, we're happy that they got some sort of relief from this, you know. And hopefully, like Josh said, you know, we can get trending in the right direction. It's a positive direction to be going in, you know, in, in terms of, you know, not only that, but, you know, we just spoke, you know, highly of Albany or I just did. But, you know, the state of Georgia, you know, and what what they did, you know, to help, you know, change the political dynamic of things. And, you know, we, we're, deal, we're still dealing with the issues of suppression there, which, you know, that's another subject for another time. But nonetheless, like, you know, uh, Georgia is is a place that's uh, been through a lot and not just the nation, but Georgia and Albany has been through a lot. But nonetheless, we're not going to talk your ears off. You know, we're here to talk football and we've made it to this point. Uh, the NFL draft is going to be the topic at hand today because, of course, and we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, too, at the end of it. But uh, it's going to be the topic at hand today because the draft just happened last month is May the 7th. So um, anyway, we're going to talk about. Uh, the historic part of this draft, because it was a historic one, as uh, people are well aware because of the quarterbacks. And, you know, this has kind of been penciled in for a while, too, as the quarterback draft. You know what I'm saying? Like people have been kind of saying this two years ago as well, like with Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, other guys. That being said, we all know what the Jacksonville Jaguars did with the first overall pick. Um, I've covered that to the T. So we're really not going to talk a lot on Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he'll pop up here and there, but we're not going to really touch on him. We're going to touch on the other guys that went in the first round. And we'll touch on some other topics that happened in the first round because the draft was a, um, you know, it, it was one that uh, was highly watched and one that some, you know, it was some different things that popped up throughout the entirety of it um, because it was just a, a weird draft with the, all the COVID and all of that going on. So it wasn't your typical draft, but uh, first topic at hand, I mean, like we'll just skip past Trevor Lawrence, go to the number two overall pick, the New York Jets. They pick Zach Wilson. Um, I'm not going to ask you about Zach Wilson, the prospect, but I'm sure it's going to pop up anyway, because you're going to have to kind of explain that, but your, your thoughts on Zach Wilson and Furthermore, I guess the bigger question is, like, do you think he's the real deal? Because I've been wanting to know this from you as well as a former college football player, uh, because people know my thoughts to a degree from, you know, what I've been saying on the web. <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson? And do you think he's the real deal? Like, was he the right choice for the New York Jets? Well, the real, <clears throat> excuse me, the real deal is, is, uh, is, um, to be announced, I guess, or, or let's right. let's see, you know, how he handles the situation. Right. Um, I, my opinion, I don't, I don't think he was the second best quarterback in the in the draft. I think the Jets made a mistake, and you know, should have taken the should have taken my bet, should have taken uh, Justin Fields, who was the more proven leader and uh, uh, he's a proven winner in in college football. You know, going against you know a higher grade of competition. I think the Jets made a terrible mistake uh, drafting this kid this early with the second pick when you had, you know, I guess two other quarterbacks who were who were better suited in this role other than Zach Wilson. I think the problem with the Jets is, is they zoned in on one 
one candidate, and he really didn't take their eyes off. I mean, he really didn't put their eyes on anybody else. I, I think it, it, it would be a, a, a detriment to them to not, to not adjust it. Justin Fields or even Trey Lance. Uh, I think it'll, it's just a big mistake for the, the Jets to draft this guy considering the competition he's been against. Not saying – I mean, it, feel, it would have been different if Justin Fields was, you know, if he played at, let's say, Utah or, uh, you know, a, a, I guess, quote-unquote mid-major, not one of the Power 5 schools. Um, it would be different if, you know, you had a – if he was like – Trevor Lawrence, and then it was everybody else. Right, right. This guy played – first he went to Georgia. He really didn't get a chance there when he should have, but then he went to Ohio State and was the reason that Joe Burrow left. Right. To go to LSU. And so, we saw how highly graded he was, by the way. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if it was his personality or they just fell in love with the, you know, the big arm and, you know, they wanted to replicate, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but – you had a much more qualified quarterback in the draft, and you decided to go with him. You know, maybe it'll work out. Maybe, you know, maybe say, uh, how you say his last name? Salo? Salo? Oh, Robert Salo. Salo. Okay, it's like Salo without the D. Cool. Um, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, you know, he'll, maybe he'll, uh, it'll be a 49er situation where some, he has so much talent on the defense and, you know, that's the main reason. That, well, besides running game, that's the reason the 49ers got to the Super Bowl. It's because, you know, they would run the ball. It was smash mouth. You know, they run the ball down your throat, and then you couldn't score on them. So, I mean, maybe it would turn in that, maybe it would turn in that kind of situation, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, like I said, people know my thoughts, and I pretty much agree. Uh, people know how – much respect I got for both Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Cause I mean, the reason is, you know, me and Josh, you know, we were from the state of Georgia. We know how hard it is to play in the area that they're from, you know, Cartersville area, the, uh, you know, the Atlanta area. We used to play Banneker ourselves who they're from college parks. So uh, that, you know, like Atlanta breeds some good football players, point blank, uh, point blank period. Uh, Cam Newton's one of them, you know, like <laughs> first mm-hmm. overall pick. So, I mean, that, you know, look no further than him for an example. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of, uh, you know, and, and the thing about it is like ESPN, you know, and th- again, I don't this ain't, a, you know, what I'm saying this ain't me calling ESPN out or anything like that because they're they're the motor of sports journalism. But, you know, a lot of them were trying to spin this narrative, putting uh, Wilson up there in the tier with. Justin Fields, you know what I'm saying? And he actually was taking over Justin Fields, which is an issue in itself up there. They even tried to, you know, put him in a tier with Trevor Lawrence and make it, you know, a case of what the Jaguars and not only them, you know, PFT, what the Jaguars think about uh, taking Zach Wilson, which we all knew wasn't the case because Urban Meyer wouldn't have came out of retirement to take Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. Let's be real about that. (laughs) Like, I don't I didn't understand how that was even a thing, you know, but. I think what it is and what people get wrapped up in with, with Wilson and and uh, Josh talked about it. Uh, he hit the nail on the head. It's everybody's trying to duplicate the next Patrick Mahomes. And it's funny. You know, the funny thing about it is like Patrick Mahomes, when he was entering the draft. Now, it was a lot of pundits giving him his, uh, you know, his flowers. There were also some pundits that were telling us that he shouldn't have been a top 15, top 10 quarterback. Remember that? Now we're in the era where everybody's trying to duplicate the next Patrick Mahomes, and they're hoping Wilson is that somebody who could throw off-platform throws, 
off script, off schedule type of throws. And don't get me wrong. Like I, when I watch that Wilson's film, I love it. Like I love the throws he made, you know what I'm saying? They were video game, like Madden, like throws. It's, it's, it's like, he's a highlight reel. Don't get me wrong. But like you said, the level of competition just wasn't there. Uh, and, and not only that, but like the reason why we're just now talking about Zach Wilson and I would be more comfortable with taking Zach Wilson in the top two uh, if this wasn't the case. But the reason we're just now talking about him is because he's been injured in the past. Right. You know, he was dealing with injuries before this. And, you know, now he's finally 100 percent healthy, whereas Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, they were healthy. You know, like, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, Trevor Lawrence had to have sh- uh, shoulder surgery for injury. If I can recall that he sustained during this season or last season at some point, he played through that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, and you're trying to crown Zach Wilson over this guy that had to have that played through a torn labrum or whatever the case may be. You're trying to crown him over a Justin Fields who, you know, we saw him see the field a little bit in Georgia with Georgia, but more so when you look at that body of work with Ohio state and what he mm-hmm. did, you're trying to crown Zach Wilson over that guy. Um, But you know, here we are. Nonetheless, he was taken second overall. I mean, that that's not a knock on the Jets. I like Joe Douglas, their GM. Um, I like uh, Robert Sala. He used to work for the Jaguars. Uh, so hopefully they get it right. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm tired of seeing, especially with Robert Sala's case, he's, uh, um, you know, he's a person of color. I'm tired of seeing people of color not getting, uh, you know, the opportunities they deserve or getting fired early or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I really do hope Zach Wilson pans out for them. Um, and, you know, Salah is a, you know, from what I hear and read, he's a good dude, you know, and he's a guy that people like and gravitate towards. So we'll see where that goes. But, uh, yeah, the New York Jets, man, like not the direction me and it's safe to say not the direction that uh, Josh would have went in with the number two pick. We were certainly thinking Justin Fields and a lot of our friends agree with that. But, you know, what do we know? Right. They're the talent evaluators. So. <laughs> We'll see if we were right and they were wrong in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the next topic at hand, you mentioned him, Trey Lance, uh, a guy that I was also high on. I liked his physical ability. I know I understand, like, and, you know, I've said this, he's more of a project-type guy. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, uh, and the next topic at hand that I wanted to address was, do you feel that he went to the right situation in San Francisco? I'll keep it brief on my end. I think he did. I like Kyle Shanahan and his brilliant offensive of mind. Um, and I, I like that, as I just said, he's a project. So I like that he's going to a situation where he doesn't have to start immediately. Uh, what say you on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect spot for him. Um, I preface this by saying, you know, this is before all this stuff, before, the, before all the allegations uh, came out about Deshaun Watson. It's the reason, you know, the 49ers were trying to, you know, give up the house for him. I mean, it's a – it's perfect for a quarterback like Trey Lance. You know, you got the, the West Coast offense, the, the RPOs, and um, just the read option in general. You need a mobile quarterback like that. I mean, not saying, you know, Garoppolo is, is mobile, but he's not Trey Lance mobile. He's not Sean Watson mobile. Um, it's a, it's a, this is not a, this is not a bad team. This is a team that went to the to the Super Bowl two years ago. I mean, they they just got ravaged by injuries uh, this past year. Um, and they can be right back in the mix. A record uh, number of injuries, if I can recall. Yeah. Like, I'm talking, like, it was a article on this, like, above, like, 50 or something like that. Some some absurd number. Like, I, all I know is it was a 
But some of it was COVID, right? And then plus that the, too. plus the other stuff. Yeah. So I mean, like at some point, like even the deepest teams, even the Kansas City Chiefs, can't endure the amount of injuries they did. You right. know what I'm saying? Um. But yeah, this is a perfect spot for him. It gives him that. I don't think he'll start week one. I mean, it depends on Garoppolo's health, which is always up in there. Um, he might get a little time this season, but this is a perfect spot for him to to take in the to adjust to the speed of the NFL. You know, he went from you know playing in uh, once again. I mean, you know, North North Dakota State is you know three four time national champion. You know, they're the best in that division, but it's still a lower graded competition and lower. Uh, even I say a lower speed than what it is in the in the Power Five schools. So for him to take it from you know that level of speed to NFL speed, you know he's going to need a year, in my opinion. So it'd be the perfect spot for him to land it and you know grow and uh, enrich himself in the offense. So I think it's a it's a it's a great pick for 49ers. I'm glad they didn't go with with some of the experts were saying you know. Them taking Mac Jones, but right. I mean, he's, I, it would have been uh, it would have been a disaster for them. They would have been, you know, a quarterback and a half in their depth chart, not you know two quarterbacks deep. So yeah, yeah. When you talk about it, it's arguably I never looked at it till you said it. The thing about you know a quarterback and a half, it's arguably uh, when you look at quarterback from a depth perspective on a team to team basis, that's probably one of the best quarterback situations in the league. Mm-hmm. You know. And as you said, Jimmy Garoppolo, that's the key here. He never has been healthy at any point in his career. So, uh, you know, or for the most, uh, for a majority of his career. So, you know, the good thing about it is Trey Lance gets to see the field, you know, maybe one to two to three games as a rookie. Um, kind of like, if I can recall, it was that way with Patrick Mahomes, too. He saw, like, the game, uh, the field for one or two games as a rookie or something right. like that. So, I mean, and look, look how he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Not saying like not comparing the two. Obviously, one came from, uh, you know, a higher level of competition than the other. But I mean, like I'm just saying from a teaching perspective and a bringing him along gradually perspective, that should help. Uh, so, yeah, I like that situation for him. I like John Lynch as a GM. Um, I feel like John Lynch will build around him. You know, he's a he's a former player, so he knows a little bit better in my opinion, than, you know, some of these other GMs. So mm-hmm. that's a good situation to watch. Um, we'll see how many games he actually ends up seeing the field. But uh, nonetheless, uh, that's a good situation for him. And he's a good young man from what I read and hear and see in the interviews. Like, I think he's going to be, like, a great figure for the community, too, in the NFL. P- people, that's an underrated aspect of this, too. I know it boils down to playing on the field, too, but we do need more – of those types of figures in the NFL too, you know, for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the community. Uh, so we're going to move on to uh, Justin Fields, the uh, other quarterback that was taken in the first round. Well, it was, it was another one after him taken as well, but uh, he slid as uh, everybody is well aware of, you know, me and Josh, uh, again, we had him graded highly, you know, he should have been taken in, you know, top two in our opinion. So like the, the slide is baffling to us, you know, and a lot of people that we talk to, like, it, it makes no sense to me. I mean, I, yeah, I know, like, there were concerns about him reading the field and all of that. But um, that being said, he ends up falling to the Chicago Bears, who, uh, you know, the Mitch Trubisky uh, situation that failed, the Nick Foles situation failed. Thanks for the fourth round pick, y'all, by the way. <laughs> I'm not even being funny. Like, it it was crazy. Uh, because 
I'm going to do a little bit of reminiscing here. Like people were sitting there telling me and Phil on Jags Wire in the comments on Facebook, nobody's going to take that Nick Foles contract. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I And I know it. I, don't get me wrong. I know it was a pricey contract, but, you know, you know how the NFL is about quarterbacks. Of course yeah. somebody's going to take it. And somebody did. And that was the Bears. We appreciate y'all taking that off our hands, you know. Um, <laughs> I digress from my point. Uh, yeah, so – he ends up, Fields ends up going to Chicago. They get a second crack at it. I think Ryan Pace was the one that drafted Trubisky as well, so he gets a second crack at a quarterback. Uh, just like Trey Lance, as you said, good situation for him because he's going to a good team. Um, and for crying out loud, they had to trade up to come get him. So that tells you, you know, they weren't as bad as some of the other teams in the top of the draft. But that being said, we're talking about a playoff team, a team that is built a good defense. He has that a team that has an offensive mind in Matt Nagy, uh, that who you know a lot of people speak highly of him. I think he's from the Kansas City tree, uh, Chiefs tree, if I'm not mistaken, from that Andy Reid tree. They got Allen Robinson, who I'm well aware of, and Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller, some guys that can make plays. Cole Komet might come into his own eventually. Isn't that mm-hmm. the tight end they drafted yeah. uh, last year? So you know you got the tight end in place. Um, maybe a little concern there now. I think about it with Charles Leno. Uh, being released last week uh, that was their left tackle but um mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that goes um but yeah what are your thoughts on uh that actual move of the Chicago Bears acquiring Justin Fields who probably should have been uh selected way way sooner than he was yeah it seems like the Bears got the uh, you know on the redemption arc I mean I'm pretty sure they were salivating when they realized you know the spot that they spot that they could take him. Of course, they traded with my team, the Giants, and traded up to get him. But um, once they saw that he cleared the, you know, the teams that didn't need a quarterback, I'm pretty sure they were salivating to get in that spot. Um, this is a great, like like you said, this is a uh, this was a playoff team who who went toe to toe with the Saints. You know, they, in my opinion, you know, other than, you know, they might need another piece in the running game, but. Uh, I can see it whenever I watch either the recaps or whenever the Bears were on TV. You know, they were a uh, uh, playmaking quarterback away from being a, not say Super Bowl contender, but at least, you know, take, taking the team to the NFC Championship game. Um, and the way it's looking now with the way the NFC North is looking, you know, the I know the Lions are – the Lions seem like they're trying to rebuild or um, – and the Vikings are, you know, the Vikings are kind of treading water. And, you know, the drama going on with Aaron Rodgers, it seems like the division is up for the taking. Um, so, <laughs> And I wouldn't know about that drama in the division, that quarterback drama. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, we dealt with it too. with uh, Not necessarily at quarterback with Jalen Rams, but we're dealing with it now. What I'm saying is with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, like, I don't know how that situation is going to go, but – what I want to speak on is everybody in Jacksonville is definitely excited that Deshaun Watson ain't going to take the field against them from a football perspective. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, cause that dude has been a thorn in our foot for a while. And I'm sure, you know, that applies for the bears too, for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, I yeah. mean, he's like the goat. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> of course he's been a thorn in their foot. I mean, me and Phil was two, three years. I can't remember. It was the, I think it was the game where he sprained his MCL or something like that. And came back in the second half and beat the Bears on one leg. Like I'm sure the Bears are tired. They they want them to, 
they they want this relationship to get as bad as possible, so you know Aaron Rodgers can get up out of there. But exactly. Back to the. You know, <laughs> they probably hoping even more so on a grander scale, he gets <laughs> traded out of the conference. Yeah. You know, like in terms of going to the AFC. Yeah. Uh, he, I personally don't want that as a Jazz fan, but you know that's what they are hoping for. We'll get to this topic in a minute, but wherever he's going, he's looking for, he's looking for revenge, like Tom Brady type revenge. So, um, it's gonna be a it's it's gonna be interesting, but. Back to the, the Bears pick in hand, and this is a, like I guess this is their redemption arc. It, it, you know, it shows what what happens when you, which is why I think the Jets are gonna made a mistake. It's gonna affect them for the next four or five years. You know, they made a bad mistake, and now, you know, the Bears have had to live with it for, you know, for that for this time period. What trying to waiting for Trubisky to turn the corner because what was he drafted second, third? Something like that, but like third, yeah, something yeah, like they that. They trade, I mean, they traded up to get them, so you know, they've been waiting. <laughs> they, I guess, they've been waiting for them to turn a corner, turn the page, and it just never happened. And then, you know, they tried to remedy uh, rem- remedy it with Nick Foles and try to catch some of that Super Bowl magic. Which, it, I mean, in my opinion, you know, Nick Foles was only hot for what three games, and he never really showed that he could be that guy for the whole season. Whether yeah, it be, whether it be injuries or whether it be just be consistent play on the field, like a half a season he was hot when Wentz. That's yeah. what you're talking about when uh-huh. Wentz. Yeah, they, they try um, to catch lightning in the bottle, and it just yeah, it, it was just it, it's just it's hard for it's hard for you to replicate that when you, it's not the same players, it's not the same organization, it's not the same feeling. So, um, then they went and got Andy Dalton. So, you know, I, I the the Bears have been trying, but it, you know, it just hasn't. Worked out, so I mean, they got a they got a proven winner. They got a proven leader. Uh, he's tough. He'll fight through any injury to stay on the field and, and you know and help his team win. So this is this is a great pick for the Bears, and I hope not only a redemption thing for the for the Bears, but redemption for Justin Fields. I mean, he's been through this situation before with Georgia, to where he got picked up. Where was it from that got picked over him, or was it? Yeah, um, it was from and um, Eason. Eason. Yeah, like Eason, and then eventually Eason got hurt. Yeah, and had yeah. to go to Washington, and From took his spot. Yeah, and then it was a battle between From and Fields because Fields was recruited after that. Yeah, and then yeah, they just Fields, Kirby Smart held on, uh, held on to From. Yeah, Fields never got his fair chance at Georgia. I don't think. He, I mean, you, you see a talent, you see a guy like that, he go to. Ohio State break all kind of records. So, I mean, he never got his shot. I mean, he kind of redeemed himself in the college, but now he, he got picked. Was it? I mean, of course, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, is Trevor Lawrence, but you got Trey Lance and uh, this other guy, Zach Wilson. Yeah, so he was the fourth quarterback taker. Yeah, and he should have been, you know, now as either two or if it wasn't Jacksonville, he might have been number one. So, you know, um, it's it, I think he's going to be on another redemption or try to get prove everybody wrong about why he should have been, you know, why he should have been number two instead of, you know, where he was picked at, which is uh, 12th or 11th. Somewhere. I think it was 11th. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I can't speak for Jacksonville. I know they had him in, at least in their top three of quarterbacks mm-hmm. feels. Um, I know a lot of people like try to make the, uh, connection with urban Meyer people forget though urban Meyer was gone when fields got there that was Ryan Day's quarterback yeah. uh but um yeah the interesting thing about that I wanted to I, I was going to try and get into the press conference and ask urban Meyer this himself here's a little 
nugget for the podcast here. <laughs> and yeah, I wanted to ask Urban Meyer when it was all said and done with them selecting Trevor Lawrence, who we knew he, they were going to select, who was the number two quarterback? Because you could tell us now, you know, the draft. I mean, you yeah. took, you, you've taken Lawrence. Who was number two on your list? You know, I know that they really like Wilson and they really like Fields, but who was the number two, though? Never got to do it, but that would have been a nice little nugget to bring into here um, yeah. or whatever the case may be. Uh, but um, who knows? Maybe we'll have Urban Meyer on um, on believing the Jazz one day and we can ask him that. You know what I'm saying? And maybe he could, he'll share that nugget with us. Um, but I, I got a feeling it probably was Justin Fields. I mean, yeah. you have to think, right, with yeah. the Ryan Day connection. Yeah. Um, Urban Meyer relies on his connections a lot, too. You know, like uh, – for example, they really wanted Tony because Tony worked with his, you know, his right hand essentially, which is Dan Mullins. So you would have to think it was probably Fields. But I mean, you guys picked a, and I don't mean to be sour grapes fit, but you picked a, a tight end who only had what six catches, something like that, right. from Ohio State. You have Brevin Jordan on the board, which is weird. Yeah, weird. Um, he got picked. I think he got picked like the the pick right that, right after that, didn't he? Two picks or a pick after. He went to the Texans. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was like, and they're still trying to figure out that tight end situation now. I don't know, like, um, you know, like people are, we're getting a little off topic here, but people in Jacksonville are hoping maybe like Zach Ertz or something like that goes yeah. to free agency because of the the deadline that they have to get him off their books before they take a massive cap hit, which I think that's June the 1st or 2nd. So yeah. they might release him. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm not the biggest um, Zach Ertz guy in terms of Zach Ertz now, but he is better than what we have on the roster, clearly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, I'd rather get one of your guys, actually, and he's come up in trade rumors, uh, David Njoku. From, uh, he went to Miami, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's with the Browns. Um, you know, that's kind of come up. They're paying Austin Hooper a lot of money. Um, I just don't know what it would take to get Njoku in terms of compensation but uh I do know like there's been whispers of an Njoku trade maybe not like necessarily to Jacksonville but him wanting out yeah. and want a better opportunity well he kind of wanted that last year when they when they signed Austin Hooper so yeah I yeah at the beginning of the season but yeah, I think he changed his mind or something but um yeah that's certainly something to look out for all right so the next topic now that we've digressed somehow and got into tight ends talk <laughs> is uh we're gonna continue go back to the draft and quarterbacks uh mac jones was the selection i think that was pick number 15 or 16 for the patriots um instead of asking you a similar question about you know like what we asked with the other quarterbacks and like are they in good situations uh, i more so want to know your thoughts because we've talked about cam newton extensively on this podcast big fans of cam newton Again, shout outs to Atlanta. But uh, you know, what does this mean for him? The addition of Mac Jones from Alabama, what does this mean for him? Uh being that, you know, Mac Jones was clearly a first round pick in the eyes of the New England Patriots. Well, I don't think it means anything for him if he you know, if he's the cam that we all know. I mean, the cam that we saw earlier last season before he caught COVID. Um I don't think it'll be any threat to Cam's starting role or, you know, position on this team. You know, personally, I think it was a, a a mistake by the Patriots to select the quarterback in the first round, I mean, select this quarterback in the first round. I just I just don't see the 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 first round talent in Mac Jones, I should say. Um it's very hard for me to get behind any Alabama quarterback other than, you know, 
possibly two, but you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, it's Alabama quarterbacks just haven't had that kind of success in the especially well, that kind of quarterback in the Alabama's offense, whether it be AJ McCarron to John Parker Wilson to I can't remember the other guy's name now, but they just haven't had that much success in the in the in the NFL. So I think Mac Jones was a like I said, a product of the success of others on that team and I, I wouldn't have picked them in the first round, but, you know, maybe the Patriots, you know, they see something. They always see something that don't nobody else see. So in terms of Cam's and what his role is on this team, like I said, Cam come in another year in this offense, and we talked about this. I mean, it was off the podcast, but um, we talked about how Cam said that, you know, COVID really, you know, put a uh, put a roadblock on his, uh, on his season in terms of getting ingrained in the offense and really – you know, getting things clicking with his teammates. I mean, considering the 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 weapons that, or the lack of weapons that he had on that team, whether it be a rookie wide receiver or um, being a didn't he ever receiver that was like a quarterback in in college or something like that? He never played receiver until he got to the league. Or, yeah, something like that, like, if I can recall. Yeah, and the running game, like Sony Michelle was just I don't know if he was not healthy, like completely healthy or. Um, I mean, there's a myriad of things that, that happened with that Pages team, whether, you know, Hightower was – Hightower and Patrick Chung got hopped out and Stephon Gilmore got hurt. And, um, you know, it just – it didn't look like the Patriots team. You know, regardless of who the quarterback was, it didn't look like the Patriots team of old where, you know, they – where, you know, with Garoppolo and Brissett, you know, they went 4-0 or something like that, right? Right, yeah. It didn't look like a Patriots team around him. Right. You know, aside from Cam Newton. Yeah, it didn't look like an efficient, you know, team but on the defensive side of the ball or, you know, anywhere. So, but, you know, the Patriots, the kind of organization they have, you know, much as I hate the Patriots, is, um, you know, they, you know, they win. They, they got a, it seems they got a system that always, you know, even as bad as the season they had, they were, what, 500 or around even a game over 500 or something right, like that. Right, They like were still in the thick of things. Yeah, it's not like they were a four-win team or something like that. So, you know, I had to give them another year, you know. And I want to say this, too, about, you know, COVID was a tough year, not just for us, but for, you know, pro teams in general, whether it be basketball or football or, you know, you know, baseball was, you know, you, you only played, what, 60 games in baseball, and it, it really didn't give you a, a time to – to jail with the t- you know the jail together or you know get a rhythm going so it it was a weird year for everybody so we do all this analysis you know sometimes you got to take it with a grain of salt and you know remember what time we're living in and you know you know I know they had Zoom means but you know it's a different it's different than being you know in a room together it's different than being on the practice field together yeah of course yeah. in person yeah. yeah i mean like you know me and you can relate to that like from our high school days and then you on the college level like yeah. we like imagine if we had to do yeah i don't, I don't know i don't know how right i don't know how guys were were, were learning like that because uh, skype I, wasn't popping like that either back then <laughs> see video conference it was a thing yeah but it was new back then too. I, I, like, I, couldn't, lost. I, I couldn't imagine the the learning or you know being a rookie in a in a situation like that where you trying to learn as much as you can and and you know you not being there it just it it it'll feel off to me I, I don't know how some guys managed it you know but some guys did you know Jeff, Justin Jefferson had a hell of a year last year Chase Claypool 
you know, had a hell of a year last year. So who I wanted the uh, not Claypool, but Jefferson. Yeah, I banged the table for Jefferson. That's another one I take pride <laughs> in saying I was high on. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's some. I got some misses in there too, but we ain't gonna mention those. You know what I'm saying? We <laughs> this is about the hits, not yeah. the misses. Yeah, but you know, like I said, it's it's um. It's an inter- it was an interesting year to see I turned some, you know, some teams they had a well-oiled machine. You see the Chiefs didn't even miss a step, even though Patrick Mahomes was hurt for, what, four or five, four or five games at the end of the season. Um, some team, you know, they were so much of a well-oiled machine that they didn't really miss, really miss a step. And you, you see, you see what great organizations, you know, uh, when they have a great a mantra, a mindset and, uh, combined with talent, you know, it really doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does matter who you put on the field. But like I said, the the pages, I mean, not the pages, the camaraderie too. Yeah, by the way, because um, the Chiefs, like the thing about the Chiefs, they're a little different though from everybody. Because in a sense, like a lot of them been together for you know for three, four years. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like their front office and everybody don't get this luxury, but their yeah. front office, which is one of the best in the league, has done a good job of keeping things intact there like some of these teams were dealing with a lot of new faces you know like but the you know the chiefs have somehow managed with even with the modern day salary cap uh which we all know the salary cap is fake but (laughs) they managed to uh keep everything together and that benefited them where uh others didn't have that luxury and you know we obviously like you you're talking about we saw it with a lot of other teams they ain't had that camaraderie yeah what's made even with the Bucks did, you know, even more amazing. You know, they it took them a while. It took, you know, because they were they got dominated by the Saints and they lost they <laughs> they lost to the Bears on the road. Like it just it didn't look good for the Bucks at first. So I mean, it's just a testament to how well some of these teams, you know, bounce back from it. So that's all I want to say about it. you know whether it be football or baseball. You know, COVID took a COVID put it took a strain on a lot of us. So, yeah, absolutely. Not just the the sports industry, but like you know, um, a lot of sports related industry, the journalism industry, radio industry. It took a toll on it, and it, you know what I'm saying. Like it, I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but uh, you know, it threw things out the rails for a lot of people, and it's mm-hmm. hard to get back on track which is what Josh is alluding to. It was kind of hard for some of those teams to get back on track last year. Maybe they'll have more success in doing so now, but it was, just, it was hard for a lot of situations in general to get back on track. But, um, you know, and, and like you said too, man, like we've never dealt with anything like this. This is something like, like we'll be millennials are already going to be historians, but we're really going to be historians because of this. Uh, we're going to have to tell our you know, kids and grandkids about this because nobody else is, this is something that we dealt with that nobody else has had to really deal with that's around now. Mm-hmm. You know, which, I mean, I think that's the, that's kind of the beauty in it is, you know, not saying like, you know, COVID was a good thing, but it did teach us a lot of lessons, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And like, it, it taught us a lot of stuff that uh, now we're prepared for, you know, if something like this similar happens, like, you know, I'm getting off topic here, but um, me and my niece were talking about this. Um, what helped a lot of people get through um, the situation with George Bush, where it was a recession, right? What helped a lot of people get through the recession was we had people around from the Great Depression. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, so it was like the example she used is like 
uh, she knew a girl, her granny or her grandmother or somebody was, uh, you know, around during the, uh, you know, the Great Depression. And she learned, her granny learned from that situation to always keep the pantry stocked up with canned goods and perishable items. So she was making it on a food level in terms of the food. Like she was making it through that with ease, you know, because mm-hmm. of that. So like this is something, you know, we can learn from and, you know, we can hopefully teach others about and we'll be ready for something, you know, hopefully and we won't have to deal with nothing like this again, but it won't catch us by surprise. But, um, you know, we digress from the point here. It was a weird season, man. Yeah, team, weird. Yeah. Well, who was it? Was it the Vikings that got uh, struck by it or something? Where yeah, uh, you know, you had to reschedule games, had to push games back. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers had to play on a. I think it was one game. It was one week where there was a game every every day or something like that because the Steelers had to play like on a Wednesday at four thirty or something like that, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. It's a weird year, man. We had to adjust on the fly, you know. So and right. was it the Viking? Was it the Vikings or the Eagles that were on? On the investigation about, you know, because they were practicing in like in a in a offsite parking lot or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's funny too because I uh, remember the Jags practicing at uh, I think it was Episcopal High. Yeah, which uh, me and you passed by there a few times. I've showed it to you. They were practicing at Episcopal or one of these schools in in the modern day and era. You know what I'm saying? Like it is crazy because. The reason that it was in the news is because I think one of the news helicopter Dopplers caught them doing And, bro, I was looking at that situation like, oh, shit, boy, Goodell, Goodell finna hit us. Like, that was one the news could have just kept on the low. Yeah. It's like, y'all ain't have to, come on, man. Like, y'all ain't have to say it, you know what I'm saying, yeah. or publish it. But um, yeah. I, I, apparently that was, what they did was, was legal. Because, I mean, it was all in the news and nothing happened. They didn't get fined for it. But still, like, you know, you're just running it through your mind. You're like, oh, boy. Yeah. This ain't nothing good coming <laughs> from this. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was weird, man. Like, you had all kinds of, uh, you know, COVID running rampant in some facilities. I mean, it, it was weird for me to have to write about some of this stuff. Yeah. I think the Jaguars had to close their facility down a day or two, too. Yeah. It was some teams that, you know, they were fine, but... Uh, the Jazz, for the most part, they were good, but just in general, like just watching this, man, it was like, ooh, yeah, man. Like, I was like, are we gonna make it through the season or what, bro? Like, yeah, I was saying at some point we just need to shut it down for a couple of weeks, you know, to get it, yeah, under control. But you know, it's the, with this kind of them owners weren't having it, yeah, and they, this kind of virus, money I mean, hungry. I mean, when when can you like, when can you get it under control? Like we're just now, uh, you know, we're just now getting vaccinated, so you know. It, it wasn't a requirement back then, but, you know, and I don't think it's a requirement now to get vaccinated. I mean, nah, you, it's not. I mean, but, I mean, you got you with the people or? that you have that are vaccinated. I guess the way I could put it, like, now, like, I would think a lot of players are going to take the opportunity to get vaccinated. So, league-wide, like, I guess it's the way I would put it, league-wide, they might have herd immunity. If that, you, does that make sense? Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> because a lot of the players are going to take the opportunity to be vaccinated so they'll avoid a lot of those situations this year easier than they did last year of course so i mean that's the game changes is is a vaccine is so we'll we'll see um it was it was interesting to say the least and like i i got documented history where i wrote about it that people probably gonna have to go back to in 20 30 years it looked like look at how the nfl made it through a pandemic you know like that's it's weird man but um 
uh, continuing on to the draft, we've kind of got sidetracked here, but it's all good. I mean, it's been a minute since we've been in the booth, man. We gotta, we, we gotta talk about <laughs> stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, thoughts on Kadarius Tony? This was one of the surprises of the first round. He went to the Giants at pick around pick twenty, I think it was. The Giants are your team, of course. Uh, but the thing is, nobody thought Tony was going that high. Uh, a lot of people had him going 25-ish, 30 or later. Uh, what are your thoughts on that addition as uh, David Gettleman traded back, as you said, uh, but hit everybody with what looks to be a surprise in New York? Yeah, um, I didn't – I was already kind of steaming that they traded – well, first of all, they let, you know, well, I don't say they let, but, you know, the, the Eagles and the Cowboys kind of did that. You know, they, they swapped places, you know, around us. But I figured we were going to stay in that, you know, stay in that pocket and, you know, take Michael Parsons. But, you know, they they allowed the, they traded back and allowed the Cowboys to get on. With, but it's it seemed like a reach for me, like a, 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 a heavy reach. You said 25-30. I was thinking more, of, you know, second, third round pick. Um I don't know how to describe this year's draft. I mean, usually I'm kind of semi-happy with what Gettleman did, you know, in terms of in terms of drafting. I mean, you know, two years semi-happy. ago. Semi-happy. <laughs> I mean, two, two not, years, even, two years, not even. Two no. years ago, we got B.J. Hill and Dexter Lawrence, and last year we got the um, – what's the tackle's name? Andrew, is it Andrew Thomas? Yeah, from Georgia, Andrew yeah. Thomas. Um, I mean, we've, we've had, you know – okay drafts like you know I wasn't I mean other than the Daniel Jones thing which I really didn't I, I still don't see it working out I mean we put all the weapons around him now but you know we're gonna see what he does with you know the weapons that he has because he really only had Slayton and you know of course Saquon got hurt so all he had was Slayton and Evan Ingram if he stopped using concrete bricks by hands yeah, so who's I mean, rumored I, to be maybe on the trade block? Maybe <laughs> I, I will. I, I'll put him on the trade block. <laughs> they need to be yelling because I'm tired of. He can't. He was some. He was some of the problem for last a seven year. round pick. Huh? Y'all are trading for a seven round pick. Trading for anything. <laughs> trade him we for, might jump on if we need a tight end. We'll trade for some soul food bistro. You know, I, <laughs> you know, from Jackson. Speaking of which, we need to go to that place. Soul food. Uh, Where is it? In, in I don't know where like, it's at, but it might be downtown. I can't. I don't know exactly where it's at. Yeah, I check it out. Yeah, we need to go to that. But it's just uh, you know, considering I was really happy with our free agent class, and you know, we went and got Kenny Galladay and um, Kyle Rudolph and uh, John Ross and Dory Jackson, which you know, the jury's still out on him because of his injury history. But you know, our defense was the star of the team last year. You know. We had Blake Martinez, who's, I believe, he was second in either the second or third in tackles last year. We got a great defensive line. We uh, we kept Leonard Williams. So, it, our only our only problem last year was our offense. We couldn't score like at all. And you know, part of part of it was Daniel Jones. Um, part of it was we didn't have enough weapons. But you know, part of it was Saquon getting major part of it was Saquon getting hurt. But this pick right here, it just the fact that we traded back and then we took uh, a second round, a third round talent, just, I don't know. It Was Jamar Chase picked before him? Because I would have loved, if we were going wide receiver, I would have loved to take Jamar Chase. 
I think Jamar Chase ended up going to the Bengals, didn't he? Yeah, I know he got you know he got hooked back up with Joe Burrow. Right. Yeah, that was yeah that was real early in the, that was like fifth pick or something like that. Because you remember everybody was talking about them getting protection, uh, Panay Sewell for Joe Burrow, but they went with. It's gonna have been that high, was it? Oh yeah, it was the fifth pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So he was well out the board. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about somebody else then, but there was some other wide receivers that we couldn't went. Hell, we could have. Um, taking Devontae Smith if we want to go, you know, wide receiver. Tony, from the highlights I've seen, you know, Tony, he's a, he's a uh, elite run-at-the-catch guy, but, you know, it just – I don't see where he fits in with his offense. You know, we already got, you know, Shepard playing the slot, and then you got John you know, John Ross, which, you know, he might be, end up being just a return man, but it's just, it, it just it didn't seem like the right pick at that time. I know I love the the second pick that we took. Uh, was this guy's name Aziz Ojolari? Ojolari from Georgia. I I love that pick, but I didn't like the I didn't like the first pick. So I don't I don't know. It just, it didn't seem it seemed too high of a pick for for us at that time. Right, right. I mean Ojolari. Yeah, I agree. I like that one. I like y'all third round pick. Me, and you kind of skimmed over it. Uh, of Aaron Robinson, I think y'all got a good player there. But I mean, like you know, the key to the draft is hitting on early round talent. Which I mean, that's not to say the second and third round ain't early round talent either. But uh, it's you know, a lot of this boils down to what you do in the first round. You know, when you look at a GM's resume and when they get if they get fired or if they stay, the key is if they are still there, they're still there because they hit on the first round more times than not. Yeah. Or they're fired in J- Dave Caldwell's case. I'll use him as an example because he wasn't able to hit on the first round talent. So we'll see. Uh, Tony is an interesting prospect. A lot of people were going on record for saying that they didn't understand his fit there. Like you just said, uh, he was more of a fit for, like I said, for the Jags. And it was some other teams that could have, you know, maybe used him. Didn't understand that. Um, but, uh, you know, clearly you said who you thought they should go with there. Michael Parsons. Uh, but we'll see how that, that pick works out, man. It's it's interesting to say the least. So those were the uh, draft topics at hand we wanted to cover. I mean, those were pretty much the big heavy hitting topics of uh, round one. I mean, we could talk for days about the whole draft in general, but we just wanted to knock out round one. And uh, with that being said, we want to switch to the drama going on. And this actually occurred on draft day that it was released then. Uh, actually, it was a report yesterday. Uh, Adam Schefter, who is one of the people that broke the news, uh, or he might be the only person that broke the news, but or initially broke the news. But Adam Schefter was on the Dan Patrick show yesterday, and he's taking a lot of heat from this is uh, because he's saying, and look, my I I don't cover the Packers, so like, forgive me if I'm not telling the story all the way right. And, uh, you know, forgive me if my takes might be wrong on this because I'm not a Packers fan or cover the Packers. Uh, but they were saying uh, he told Dan Patrick, Adam Schefter did that the basically the report didn't come from necessarily a source. It was something that he just knew from a bunch of stuff he had been gathering over the offseason. Uh, so, yeah, here we are. You know, Aaron Rodgers, we're just going to go on record and say for the, the sake of this conversation, He's disgruntled and he does want to leave Green Bay for the sake of this conversation. Uh, we don't know because he ain't really come out to say much himself, aside from on the Pat McAfee show, maybe. But he ain't he really say that much there. But 
he's disgruntled. He wants to get out. The reason we're talking about this topic is because Josh and I covered it before with the Mike McCarthy situation. And now it's been in full circle that he maybe wants out. Uh, how do you feel about this situation with Aaron Rodgers wanting out? Who's to blame? I guess specifically I ask you, who do you think is to blame? Uh, who is more so to blame? Or you could maybe put a percentage in there if you want to do that about that situation. And just your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers wanting out in general from Green Bay. Because we're seeing a trend now where the, the NFL seems like it's becoming the NBA where the star players are wanting to get out of their situations when they're not happy. What's the first, what's the... What what's the basis like? What's the main problem that Aaron is? Is a contract extension, right? Like he wants a full contract extension and not like a, a restructure, right? Admittedly, that's the thing. Like I can't gather like exactly what because it's a myriad of things that's been reported. Like that's coming out. Is it the contract that right. he wants a new contract? Does he want that long term security, which right. is what you're saying because they have Jordan Love, uh, and you know that that which we talked on actually when they took that selection. Uh, the selection of Jordan Love might not have struck a, you know, might have struck a chord with him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you remember the conversation we had was that pick to get Jordan Love was to show them or show Aaron Rodgers that, like, we're not going to put up with you. Like, if you want to, you know what I'm saying, you want to act up and get have all these demands, we got a backup plan. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that, at least that's what I feel like it's all about. So I don't know if it's he wants long-term uh, that that long term guarantee in terms of showing that he's they're committed to him because uh, Jordan Love is there. I don't know if it's money. Uh, I don't know if he it feels like if it's uh, because they said he doesn't like the GM there, uh, Gutenhurst. Right. I don't know if it's that they don't have enough weapons around him. Uh, but I guess the better question to ask you is with Aaron Rodgers. What what do you think? has been the issue behind his lack of success at Green Bay. I guess that's the better way to ask it. Like, do you think, like, is the front office, do you think they haven't done him any favors? Like, what is it that's causing this friction that you, at least that you believe, is well, calling this friction in Green Bay? Let's take play, a field, play on the field off the table. I mean, it seems like, I mean, they, they've been to the conference championship the, the past two years, right? And, you know, they ran to the bus, saw 49ers. Um, and then, you know, what happened, I don't really know who to – well, I guess you could put on Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter. I mean, Brady basically gave that game away with – he threw some of the the worst interceptions I've ever seen Tom Brady throw. And, you I know, remember that. And Brady – I mean, and Rodgers just – I mean, kudos to the Buccaneers defense, but, you know, you give, you, get, you give Rodgers three chances to go down the field and, you know, take the lead. You know, I'm betting on Aaron Rodgers every time, but let's take – Let's let's take play on the field off the table for a minute. It, it seems like it's residue from the Mike McCarthy situation, and it it's it moved on from McCarthy to the GM. And it's it, you know well, I saw a quote a couple of days ago where uh, Rogers was calling what's the guy's name? Gutenhurst. Gutenhurst was comparing them to Jerry Krause of the you know ninety ninety Chicago Bulls where. Um, I'm, wow. not, I'm not sure exactly. I, yeah, I, I've seen tweets about it, but I didn't click on them to yeah. see like what exactly was said. But yeah, now that you mentioned about, they said he was saying some things about Gutenhurst, but right. some some things that weren't nice. We'll put right. it that way. Yeah, right. So it seems like you know all his anger and frustration is you know 
aimed towards him, whether it be, you know, not drafting him enough weapons or not signing, you know, enough weapons. I heard, I saw one report where he was really upset when they let Kumaro go and they let uh, Jimmy Graham go. Um, it just, it, it seems like Rodgers has been fighting this battle of, you know, you know I've, I've tried to do almost everything for you and you won't give me any help. Now, on Rodgers on the other side is, I think they had enough help last year. You know, Devontae had a hell of a season last year. You know, granted, he's only one guy, but, they, you know, you were four quarter away. Hell, you were drive away from taking him to the Super Bowl. Now, you ask a percentage of blame. I say I don't even want to give a percentage like it because it's too – it seems like it's too intertwined in, in the organization to where, you know, you want to – you want to blame the GM for, you know, drafting Jordan Love out of spite, or do you want to blame, you know, Aaron Rodgers for his lack of, you know, willingness to, to, uh, to you know, play nice? Like, you know, the quote from two years ago, which is, you know, they, they when they hired, uh, what's the coach's name, LaFleur? Yeah. When they hired LaFleur, uh, you know, they said, they told him, don't be the problem. So, you know, it just seems... I don't. I want to take Aaron Rodgers' side on this because you know it kind of reminds me, and I've made this comparison before, to, to where LeBron was, and you know, with 2018 Cavaliers, the way it was just him. You know, Kevin Love was there, but he was, you know, he was unhealthy. Kevin Love, like he wasn't the guy that they traded for. You right. Know, not not 30 and 20 Kevin Love, or you know, double double machine Kevin Love. It it seems like. You know, LeBron was out there by himself. Now, you know, he had Devontae Adams, but it just seems like Aaron Rodgers has been, uh, other than when Aaron Jones finally uh, took off two years ago, but it just seems like he's been out there doing it by himself for most of the most of the time. But it doesn't seem like he wants to come back, and it doesn't seem like he's going to come back. And it seems like everybody's to blame in this situation. Yeah, sometimes I can speak on it. Sometimes it ain't just one person that'll make a team crumble or organization crumble. Uh, because I saw this in twenty seventeen with the Jaguars, and I've always said it wasn't just Tom. Well, it wasn't just the players. It wasn't just Tom Coughlin. It wasn't just Shot Cun. All three levels of the organization deserve some of the blame. Yeah. You know, uh, Tom Coughlin wasn't the friendliest to a younger generation of players, which you can't, that can't, it can't coexist that way. You got to have somebody who is not necessarily giving it to the players, but at least get along with them, you know? So that, that part was his fault. Shad Khan's fault was putting Tom Coughlin in the whole equation period, which was weird because you got a GM, then you got Tom Coughlin, who's the head of football operations. You basically, it feels like demoted Dave Caldwell. And kept Dave Caldwell as the GM, you know. So that was awkward. That shot Khan's fault for bringing Tom Coughlin into the equation, and it was also, you know, on the the in terms of the roster, they had a mesh of uh, the. I don't want to say they had the wrong personalities, but they had a group of personalities that didn't exactly mix well together, and you know that fell on them. You know, it's like. We've all been in, you know, me and you can speak. We've been in locker rooms where we don't exactly see eye to eye with everybody in there. But for the sake of the team, we got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we got to come together when it comes to getting on the field. And when it comes to locker room camaraderie, 
our differences on the side that we might have had, you know, with the person in class or whatever the case may be. We got to put that to the side. It's We got to roll and win games. And that was one of the things that it feels like that Jaguars locker room, at least in my opinion, it feels like they couldn't get past. So sometimes you have a situation like that. Maybe it's like that with Aaron Rodgers is what I'm saying, where everybody deserves to blame. What, what I want to speak on with that situation, though, is – if you are, which I just spoke on, if you are the Patriots or excuse me, the the Packers front office, you draft Jordan Love, what was it, two years ago uh, as a warning sign to Aaron Rodgers, like, hey, we're not going to BS around with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever the case may be, uh, because you, you have to think that's what they were trying to do because you took a quarterback in the first round. What else were you trying to do with that? Yeah. You know, that's a that's a a message move, in my opinion. So, like, people can spend it any way they want. But for me, like, you don't take a quarterback in the first round without it meaning some kind of message to the quarterback that's already leading the team. So, like, my thing is you you drafted Jordan Love with your chest out if you're mm-hmm. the front office. Okay, now that Aaron Rodgers, you know, you come to a situation where you got Jordan Love and you told him, like, hey, look, if you're going to have beef with the front office and beef with the staff, we got a, a replacement option for you. You said that part with the chest out. Well, now has come the time to let Aaron Rodgers go and, you know, give the reins to joy and love. So why not do that with your chest out too? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like who's to say like they might be looking into trade options or whatever the case may be. But my thing is when does Jordan love, when does your first round pick uh, pick number 25 or that late round pick, when does he see the field? Uh, because he's only on a four year contract. You know what I'm saying? You can't wait forever. So you had to, like, when you took him, there had to be some kind of plan in place. Like, we got to get Jordan Love on the field in year two of this contract or year three. And it looks like they didn't have a plan necessarily. Their plan was to continue on with Aaron Rodgers. And I understand Aaron Rodgers. You can't just get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Like, you can't just move on from Aaron Rodgers. But what I am saying is when you take Jordan Love, that stuff needs to be already planned. Mm -hmm. It should have already been planned of when you were going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And now that he's given – it looks like, you know, again, we don't know this situation to the entirety, but it looks like he has a little beef with the front office. All right, now stick your chest out just like you did two years ago with Jordan Love when you selected him and say, hey, he's out guiding mm-hmm. and trade him to wherever, you know, like, you know, of course, get the the proper compensation. But I think that's another issue, too, is Aaron Rodgers is what, over 35 years old? Like, what? is the proper compensation. We never seen somebody of that magnitude be traded at that age. Like, do you know, like typically, you know, for Deshaun Watson, we'll use him as an example, right? If you trade Deshaun Watson, people are talking about two to three first round picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deshaun Watson's 24 years old. This is different. Aaron Rodgers, 35 years old. He's an MVP, but what is the proper compensation to give away for a 35 year old quarterback? And maybe that's what they're battling internally. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, we'll see how it uh it all works out. But I I don't you know I don't see the situation where like like I'm like you like last year Aaron Rodgers had a chance to win. You know what I'm saying? Like it was I think they should have been at least in the Super Bowl or close to it. You know I don't understand the whole narrative of like he hasn't been given enough. Like he they've come very close on multiple occasions, and this ain't the same front office from when uh McCarthy was there either. By the way. They have a front office that has been willing because you remember the issue was before that the Packers front office don't want to spend no money. Okay. Well, the Packers front office goes and spend money on the defensive side. They got the Smith brothers. That's still helping Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, It's not helping him directly on the offensive side, 
but they they weren't good defensively. That's helped. Those are two pass rushes. You know how that helps you. Those are two pass rushers that could get the ball back in your hands. Aaron Rodgers, you the MVP. You take over the game. You do what you do. You got um. You got uh the receiver. Oh dang, it's escaping me. That Devontae you Adams. Devontae Adams, who I was very high on in the draft when he was drafted. You got Devontae Adams at least. Uh, you know we gave we we paid David Bakhtiari to be the top left tackle in the league to protect your blind side, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know what I'm saying? Like for some reason, you know, it's just not all come together for a team that has an MVP caliber uh, uh, quarterback and has a decent roster, a decent roster around him. Not, we ain't going to say it's perfect, but it's never worked out. So um, we'll see if they get their stuff together. in Green Bay. It's funny to watch unfold to say the least, uh, because like, you know, would have thought Aaron Rodgers would be one out of Green Bay, you know, yeah. but it's we're there at that point and we'll see where he goes. So those were the topics, man, that we wanted to cover. You know, we didn't want to talk y'all ears off, but that's how we're feeling after a long hiatus uh, of the back shoulder fade. We'll come back next week with another episode. Um, I'll probably be out of town this weekend, but we'll do some next week. Again, that's my birthday week, so we'll maybe record and uh, try and get some camaraderie, some consistency going here on the podcast, man. So any closing remarks you wanted to throw out there, Josh, uh, before uh, we, we wrap this one up? I don't think so. Uh, it's kind of a dip here right now until, you know, June 1st. So uh, we don't have much to say. I'm kind of <laughs> kind of treading water waiting for the NBA playoffs to start. So that's all I'm, that's all I'm really thinking about right now uh, other than – some of the draft picks from my team, but uh, that's about it. Yeah, um, I think, like, next week we'll have something to talk about because the schedules come out. So we'll talk about, like, the top primetime games or something like that, top oh, games. Oh, yeah, I want to see uh, don't Patriots and the Bucks play this year. Yeah, so yeah. we'll talk. That'll be – we'll tell you beforehand. That's what we're going to talk about on that episode. Um, yeah, like Josh said, man, the playoffs, uh, I actually – have a team to watch in the playoffs in the Hawks, you know, like I think they've clinched their spot. It looked like they're going. Um, well, I have to see, uh, I, I missed their last two games, but they've been, you know, playing well. I ain't saying they're going to make no noise in the playoffs, but you know, it, it's good to see them at least going. Um, uh, the Braves have been, uh, Ugh. yeah. Um, they, they, I think they won their last two though. They're trying to get to 500. We'll see how that goes, but that pitching, it seems at least that pitching has been bad. Um, so we'll see. Um, they can't hang on the leads you for see that Grand Slam the night. Uh, you know hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout outs to you know man. He out there balling, bro. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 he. I wish we would have had him on last year's team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that would have yeah. been a nice addition. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that on a, you know another another time. Um, at another time, should I say? So, uh, that being said, um, this is James Johnson. You can follow me at SportsGround underscore Done on Twitter. Uh, he is Josh Sampson. You can follow him at Johnny Assassin. I forget, man. Like, I, I it's so many Twitter accounts I have to keep track of. <laughs> it's, uh, you can follow him at Johnny Assassin on Twitter. Uh, feel free to rate, comment, subscribe on this podcast. Tell us your thoughts in, in general. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back at it next week uh, for episode two of season two of the Back Shoulder Fade.